For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, a regularly scheduled podcast. We'd had so many emergency podcasts, I didn't know that we'd ever have a regularly scheduled podcast here on the feed. But we do. Nora Princiati is here. Nora, hello. Hello, Kevin. Yeah, heart, heart rate's a little lower. It's nice. We're in the zone. We're in the rhythm. Steven Ruiz is here. Hi, Steven. It feels like this is the first time I've been on a normal podcast in like a month and a half. Just have a normal podcast. The co- Combine podcast, I didn't have a microphone. The last one. I, I hate to break it to you guys. Pod. We haven't done a normal podcast in several years. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm new, so I, I'm just picking up things. Um, I just made a terrible iced coffee. Maybe at bottom five of my um, of my life, iced coffee. And I don't know what, what I did. Wrong? I put too much ice? Uh, no, no, no. You can never put too much ice in. It, it's a concentrate, and I can't tell if I put in way too little water or way too much water it's just so bad you know like when you see a a play and you don't know who's at fault because everything like from the snap just everything like the offensive line collapsed but also the receivers weren't running routes and you know the whole thing right that's that's when you said a play my mind went to broadway well yeah because you went to irving plaza the other night and then potted about it i did when you think about it ice ice coffee is the ultimate team sport even worse than football. It really is. Everything has to move together. Mm-hmm. And my guys weren't ready to play this morning, is how I put that. And that's on me. And the, the buck stops here. Um, so it's free agency. It's many other things. It's, it's blockbuster trade season. We're going to go through what we think are our most important things of the past couple of days and then the next few weeks. Um, because this is this is not going to end uh, anytime soon. We're going to have some, some emergency podcasts in the pipeline coming through. I want to start with Baker Mayfield who wrote a goodbye letter to a team that has not said goodbye to him. Um, hmm. This is a lifeline for the Indianapolis Colts, who had no uh, quarterback to speak of. And now, now that there's some, the wheels are turning and it looked like they were going to let on the Colts. All of a sudden, Baker Mayfield is writing goodbye notes to a team that, that hasn't made a decision. So this was prompted by, if you just look at the timeline, the report that, that the Browns were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And that Mayfield is playing on the fifth-year option this year, so around $18 million, and he's a lame duck quarterback. 
Um, we've known it was always a possibility the Browns could move on from Baker Mayfield. We've known that they've always they've they've you know they're going to do everything they can to upgrade if that that's available. And maybe that means Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that means Deshaun Watson. Doesn't matter. Um, but we knew that was always a possibility because of how badly Baker Mayfield played and how good the rest of the roster is, and just that that's how Andrew Barry operates. You thought what, Nor Princiati, when you saw a goodbye note from Baker Reagan Mayfield to a team he still plays for? I think he's just a little stressed out. But my first thought was that with many uncertainties, here is where my head and heart is, is now an iconic line that is going to live um, in perpetuity in my brain. I've got to imagine it's hard to see your name in the news constantly. Baker Mayfield is not exactly someone who historically has um, uh, kept his emotions inside, which I respect. Sure. Uh, I, I think the question is just like, if none of the alternatives work out, because there's always been a chance that, you know, it's not as though this is not like a Jimmy Garoppolo type situation where it's kind of like, okay, here we go. This is the end of the road. Everybody knows it. Everybody is talking openly about it. Solid chance Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Clearly, they would like to to find an upgrade, but they might not. Be Extremely able to. high. Extremely high chance that he wrote he plays for the team he said goodbye to yesterday. Well, he said it's not a goodbye message. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's with just, many uncertainties. Here is, where my, here is where my head and heart is message. But it's just going to be a little awkward. First of all, it's a goodbye message. Second of all, even if it's not, the other scenario is a it's just a with many uncertainties, here's where my head and heart message messages. And even that would be weird if he still played on it. It's this. a little awkward. Steven, yes, I agree. Steven, what what'd you think? My first thought was this is worse for the Browns than it is for Mayfield. Like getting to this point where he's writing a goodbye letter that's not a goodbye letter in March, and they don't like what you said, we don't they don't have a plan at quarterback, so there's a very good chance that Mayfield could be starting in September. And I have to think this ruins any trade leverage they have. I don't think Baker was a player that a lot of teams wow. are going to be clamoring to trade for at first. But it, now that it, he's possible, already said it's goodbye. It's possible he was trying to get some control over the process in, in on the front end if there was going to be a trade. Do you know what he should have done? He should have hired Odell's dad because that guy gets <laughs> results done. This is uh, a naive is there, does Cooper have Does Amari Cooper have a family member on deck? If there's a problem, and I'm your man, Amari. I'm your man, Amari. I got plenty of Baker Mayfield clips too, if you need them. Guys, I really don't feel like this was a a move out of strategy. I think this was the the product of feelings and feelings. I disagree. I I disagree because he remember he did his little message where he's like, "I'm logging off of social media. It's too toxic. I'm not coming back." So he had to make the decision that he was going to return. Then he had to write this letter, which took two screenshots, a two, two screenshot two letter. Two screenshots. That, that was too Yeah, but you know much. why the it's I'm logging off of social media and this is why thing is like weird is because the majority of the time, anyone who does that is doing it for social media attention over their post about how they're logging off of social media. And if you want the attention that badly, then odds are at a certain point, you are going to seek out more of it, which involves getting back on social media. That's a good point. That's a good point. So do you think this was planned all along? Like he 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 knew he was going to get back on social media. Well, uh, listen, everybody who's no, ever I said goodbye to social upset. media. What in which part? The goodbye to social media or just the the here's where my head and heart is? This the, or both. 
the, 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 the latter. Okay. So anyone who's ever said goodbye to social media has planned to return to social media. The whole point of posting that, unless there's like a, an event that is, that is extremely serious. Leaving um, social media is the Tom Brady retirement yeah, of yes. social media related actions. It, unless there's like a serious event where you just have to get off. The 99% of the time, someone's saying, I'm not going to be on social media anymore. They're doing that so you get to say, oh, don't do that. Don't deprive us of your great posts. And then they'll go, oh, okay, I'm, I, I, I need to post. The people need me to post. That's <laughs> no the point of saying that. No one the history of the world. No, but they, it's called lying, Nora. It's called lying. People are like, well, right. no, no your posts it. are great. Yeah, no, certainly no one. No one has ever needed anyone else, else's posts. All right, let's go back to this, this head and heart message here. Um, it was posted at 10.03 on a Tuesday night. Uh, if you're Andrew Barry right now, Stephen, does this change anything for you? No, not at all. I, I don't care about a post on social media. I, I don't think it changes anything because I think they were planning on moving on already. We've never seen a quarterback play on the fifth-year option. We've never seen that. I think Lamar might do it this year, but I think the, the Ravens are going to get something done before then. Sam Darnold might do it, but he's Sam Darnold. But this is yeah. the first time we've seen a quarterback who was drafted by a team first overall, was celebrated by the fans, was celebrated for changing the culture, getting them back to the playoffs. And now he's not he's going to be doing something that we've never seen another quarterback do. And I think that matters. I think that tells us everything we need to know about how the Browns view Baker and their future with him. It's just sad. I honestly like for Browns fans. And you know, Dominique Foxworth made the best point maybe of the last couple of months was the Joe Burrow is what Browns fans thought Baker was going to be. And now you've seen, since Baker got there four years ago, you've seen so many other franchises actually have their culture changed, and the Browns aren't one of them. I believe that long-term, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski are going to win. I mean, they, they, they won a playoff game last year. Let's not act like it's been a complete disaster of a tenure there. But as if Baker Mayfield is not the long-term answer, that's sort of been established. Nora, who is? I I just I don't know. I mean, look, the the closest thing to an action that this would have been in response to was that he posted the Instagram the day their executives met with Deshaun Watson. Just obviously mm -hmm. a very complicated situation. Maybe they think that they can be a front runner in that and that's that's the answer. If not a factor that I don't think we should discount in this situation is just Cleveland's history at quarterback, right? Like, yeah. uh, you can be an incredibly... Is it good? It's good? Is that what you mean? It's not great, Kev. Oh, okay. It's not amazing. And I, I think you can be good. an incredibly smart person, like most of the people running that team are, and still have that on the back of your mind, that it can get a lot worse. I, I know sometimes it didn't feel like it, but it really can get worse than a quarterback who's not costing you a ton of money, who, when healthy, has been capable of getting a good team to the playoffs. Now, that's a pretty muted version of praise, but still, it, it can be a lot worse. But I think so, you, you have to see what happened in Los Angeles this past year and also think, yes, it can get a lot worse, but guess what? It can get a lot better, too. Yeah. And I don't think right, it's going we, to get so better it, with this so guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, like who is who is in the Matt Stafford role? I'd rather say I don't know who the quarterback is going forward than I do know who the quarterback is, and he's not. <laughs> so I, I agree. But, once it once it starts costing you 
true starting quarterback money. Before that point, I I have trepidation. Okay, but Stephen, let's talk about floors here. If they move Baker Mayfield somewhere, and they and the worst case scenario is they roll with Case Keenum in 2022, what what does that look like for the Browns? I mean, I think it looks like last year looked like. Yeah, you could argue that Case Keenum was the better quarterback of the two last year when Baker was hurt. Yeah, when when Baker Baker was was hurt. hurt. I I I think Baker still has a higher ceiling. Oh yeah, Baker definitely has a higher ceiling. and it's hard I to think forget Baker that. Baker Mayfield season. minus a labrum equals Case Keenum. But. Okay, okay, but we we didn't give Mitch Trubisky that same leeway during his last year when he had the best stretch of his career after suffering the same injury and wearing the same shoulder harness and getting the Bears to the playoffs. It's it's weird how we pick and choose what excuses guys get. Stephen Ruiz, are, are you mounting a defense of Mitch Trubisky right now? Is that what's happening? There it is. No, I was going to do Trubisky right now. I'm I'm mounting prosecution against Baker Mayfield and using Mitch as as evidence. Like, I just don't understand how, why does the one injury of not affect Mitchell Trubisky and actually give him superpowers, apparently, but it, it makes Baker Mayfield into the quarterback that he's always been when the game script isn't in his favor. Like, because Baker Mayfield has before in his life had a pretty good NFL season. Right, when everything goes right. When he's able to, yeah. to run play action 20 times a game. But what happens when you don't do that? That's always been the question with Baker. And the answer has always been, well, he's not good enough. Sure, but that is a more complicated question than Mitch Trubisky, who's been in bad situations, but has never been good. Yeah, that's a good point. But he was good for that last stretch of his Bears career. He got the Bears into the playoffs and he had people wondering if they should pay Mitch Trubisky. Go look up the articles. They exist. And he, yeah. look up the stats. He was like one of the top 10 quarterbacks statistically. I need to, I need to emphasize that. Over the last <laughs> month of his last season in Chicago. And he got them to the playoffs. He won MVP. Hey, if the Browns had uh, the when with hindsight got the redraft the 2018 NFL draft, who would they pick first? Yeah, that's a go. Lamar Jackson has the most value from that draft, according to annual value. Um, all right, Baker's fifth, by the way. I think Pro Football Reference needs to work on there. He's more valuable according to Pro Football Reference than Fred Warner, so. Back to the lab for pro football reference. Um, all right. Uh, Nora, what's your most important thing on the Tosh Kicker base? So, I, what I put down is the Bucks trading for mm. Shaq Mason from the Patriots for a fifth round Bucks pick. Bucks my number one, Absolute too. steal. What? The Bucks were my number one thing, too. Yeah. To so, I, I just want to expand it a little bit. The Bucks just being all the way back is my number one thing. Yep. I mean, so... Ryan Jensen resigns, probably gives them a discount of a couple million bucks a year. Wants to play with Brady. They get Carlton Davis back pretty cheaply when you compare it to the rest of the cornerback market, but also to, to JC Jackson's deal in, in particular. Um, then they do what I think amounts to just like absolutely raiding the Falcons. Uh <laughs> Russell Gage would be the number one receiver on Atlanta's depth chart. I don't know where he slots for Tampa Bay, like fourth. Um, this is a clinic. Uh, with Shaq Mason, I don't know if New England is doing this to clear cap space for something. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. There have been certainly times in the past when I've looked at something they've done and been like, I don't get it. And it's ended up working out. But the more I think about this, the less I understand it. He's 28 years old. 
He's one of the better guards in the league consistently. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker, but a fifth round pick and $16 million over the next two years and giving up one of the better. I mean, you could argue that Shaq Mason and JC Jackson were the best players on that team relative to their positions around the league last season. I find letting go of both of them a strange way to set up Mac Jones's second year. Maybe that just doesn't matter, but I, Tom Brady is making a run for executive of the year. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So the Bucks were my thing as well because Tom Brady had to announce he was coming back at the exact moment that he announced he was coming back. If they were a couple of days later, the entire offseason changed, the entire franchise changed, Tom Brady's 2022 changes. In very short order, they figured out what they looked like uh, this year. And they're a Super Bowl contender. Like that that's it. And and there's a there's there's two sort of alternate universes here, none of which are good. The one is that Tom Brady never comes back and most of these guys don't don't want to come, want, would rather would have to be overpaid like the damn Jaguars, that kind of thing. The other is that Tom Brady uh comes back, but these guys don't. And that Chris, you know, somehow uh Brian Jensen doesn't want to come back, Carlton Davis doesn't want to come back, Russell Gage you know, doesn't want to take $30 million, whatever it is. But for the Bucks to get whipped into shape this quickly uh, is is maybe the defining story of the NFC over the past couple of days. Steven? Yeah, I think this team over the last three years just goes to show how much of a luxury having not only a great quarterback is, but having yes. a quarterback that really doesn't limit your timeline. You're not really thinking, oh, we have to keep this together for five years down the line. They're really just trying to win the Super Bowl every year in every individual individual season is different is contained its own contained thing totally and i i think teams like the packers maybe the packers are doing that now they're they seem to be just not giving a shit about their cap situation in three years so i i think that's one lesson you can take away from this is when you have this team that's ready to win just go all in now and go every year make it its own thing and i think that's the best way to team build so i i would put the chiefs in that too with brett veach because i think there's some gms where, okay, in a vacuum, they're going to build, maybe that's Andrew Barry, maybe that's, that's Chris Ballard, where they're going to draft well, they're going to process well, they're going to do all the things that we on podcasts say are so great. But then there's Jason Light and Brett Veach and Brian Gutenkunst, who are just like, we have this window, and okay, Mickey, Lo- Mickey Loomis is the OG of this particular phenomenon, where... You 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 just make three four moves every offseason to win the Super Bowl. That's it. And you're thinking, okay, how do I win the Super Bowl? And you know the the Chiefs going out and getting Justin Reed because Teron Matthews not coming back is 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 a pretty good example here. Where it's like, okay, we have a hole to fill. Let's let's fill it, and then we'll worry about the other stuff later. Um, there are other franchises where they say, you know what? I don't know. Maybe the draft. Like maybe maybe the second wave of free agency. And when you're all in like this, and, and all in is a state of mind. I think that the Rams thing, because there's a lot of famous people, um, people got the wrong idea. Um, all in is just making sure that that everything is is addressed every single year and that you understand the barrier for entry in the modern NFL. And you make those four or five moves every single year to make sure that, 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 that the 53-man roster is as good as it can possibly, possibly be. Um, so the Bucks are in that mode. Jason Light has acquitted himself very, very well from the time he got Tom Brady. 
I, I, I love this team, and I wouldn't be surprised if, they, if they're in the Super Bowl. The, the Chiefs example is interesting from that perspective, um, just to go back to that for a second, because I do think built into this, particularly actually with, with what Green Bay is doing, is just the acceptance that there's probably going to be a year somewhere where it stinks and you have to pay the bills. You have to do what yeah. the bills did in that year when they had just a zillion dollars in dead money yeah. and kind of reset everything. The Chiefs example is is kind of curious from that perspective, right? Because their assumption is that they are going to have Patrick Mahomes for a decade plus playing at an extremely high level and you don't want to throw away a season in that. So at some point, it'll be really fascinating to see how they handle it because I think if you look at Tampa and if you look at Green Bay right now, probably there's some level of not comfort but acceptance with the idea Mm -hmm. that in X number of years, there's going to need to be a reset. And that's fine. Like, I, I think the way that yeah. the salary cap works now, the aggressive teams are, are just sort of more comfortable with that idea. Um, <laughs> but there is a little bit of an asterisk of, are you comfortable with that idea if it costs you a season of Patrick Mahomes? I'm not so sure. Well, okay, but, right. And, but also, it's younger GMs. It's GMs who totally. understand who understand the cap has always risen with the exception of the, pan, the two pandemic years. Basically, for the entire time, they've they've been in charge or been in a, you know, a number two or number three organization if you're becoming a GM in the last five, six years. Um, they're just more comfortable. That's why we see more blockbuster trades. I mean, part of the, the NFL, everyone talks about conservative. It was, you know, just from a from a player acquisition standpoint for so long. And a lot of that was just because the cap wasn't rising. It was older GMs. GMs were coming from like the football, like the co- almost like the coaching world or like the scouting world, and it wasn't it wasn't just as forward thinking like, hey, we can do this, we can take these big swings. These guys didn't like twenty years ago. Guys were just worried about getting fired, and so they would just like they wouldn't do anything. They would just draft seven guys a year and and be like, eh, whatever. That's also kind of why free agency became a a, a boogeyman. Um, like, and you still see that with with some writers who've been around for like a long time were like well of course the Jaguars are overpaying for agency that's what free agency is overpaying and it's like that's not really how this works anymore free agency is a viable team building strategy um and and there are a lot of GMs who understand that and thankfully for the league a lot of those GMs happen to be running teams with with great quarterbacks and uh, I know there's a chicken and egg thing there uh but it's it's fascinating to see how the league has changed and and and, and just the um just the new wave of GMs and how they've how they've approached things. So, all right, uh, Stephen, what's your uh, most important thing? Uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Someone had to bring mm-hmm. up the Chargers, and it's going to be me. Yeah. Woo. I had them on my list. And my, I, I'm pushing him back against the notion that this is like the same old Chargers hype. Like it, the Chargers have been hyped up no. for what, like a decade now, and it always yeah. But they've just they have down. a they have a really good quarterback now. Right, and you're underrating him by just calling him really good. They have the the second okay. best quarterback oh, in the NFL now, maybe the oh, best quarterback if you really okay. think about it. And that changes things. I they have a, a much bigger margin for error. Not only do they have one of the best quarterbacks, they have one of the best quarterbacks on a rookie contract. So I have no problem with them maybe overpaying for J.C. Jackson, maybe overpaying for Mike Williams, maybe overpaying for uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. These are players that I think fill holes that they had mm-hmm. last year, and I think it allows Brandon Staley to to employ the type of defense we thought he was going to bring over from the Rams and that he just mm-hmm. couldn't run with the players he had. Like Sebastian Joseph Day was the most telegraph free agency move of all time. Maybe Everyone right. had him pegged to the Chargers. JC Jackson gives them 
a corner they could play on the backside of trips that they don't have to worry about. He has his Jalen Ramsey now. Now, Jason Jackson isn't Jalen Ramsey, but he can give you like 90% of that. And that that changes everything for their defense. Those two players, I think, change a lot for their defense. And if they don't add another defensive player, I still think they jump 10, 10 places in the defensive rankings next year. I will Mac. say. Oh, I didn't even yeah, I didn't Khalil even mention Mac. Khalil Mack. Pretty yeah, good. Mack. Pretty good player. Um, Pretty the, good. Uh, the most telegraphed move before uh, Joseph Day coming to the Chargers was Bart Scott following Rex Ryan from Baltimore to the Jets to build the defense, build the culture. Um, I believe Rex Ryan was like at his house at midnight. It was all, you know, it's classic, classic Jets. Um, all right. So I agree. The Chargers were on my list as well. The Chargers are doing what we thought they were going to do. And that's a good thing, which is that they had whole, and they, listen, they had a nice free agency period last year. They just had more holes than we anticipated. They went out and they shored up their offensive line with Corey Lindsley, with Matt Filer. Those were, those were good kind of doubles, singles that they needed to do. Mike Williams had to do it. J.C. Jackson, best cornerback on the market, $40 million guaranteed. That's fine. I'm not going to freak out about that. Um, and, and then and then Khalil Mack. You know, I, I think that um, we're looking at a pretty obvious playoff team. I got to see a little more for me. Just the, the depth in the AFC, Stephen, is such that, like, I'm going to withhold extreme. Like, I'm not even sure. This is a weird thing to say, but, like, Coming off the Super Bowl, like even the Bengals, I'm skeptical of just because of how deep the AFC is right now. I got to see a little more, but I don't think they're going to be playing Week 18 trying to tie the Raiders again. I don't think they're going to be that level of team this year. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. 
My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Nor our chargers. Yeah, look, I think ultimately all you can ask for a team in, in that position in the offseason is to fill the holes. I think they've very, very, very clearly done that. Um, yeah, is three years, 24 million, a lot for Sebastian Joseph Day? I guess kind of, but that run defense was 31st in EPA and success rate per play last season. They mm-hmm. had to do something. He's the perfect player. I mean, we saw how significant losing him was, at least for a time, for the Rams. It, it really made a difference in what they were able to do. Uh, I think that'll be just like plug and play successful. And then you can, yeah, they, they gave J.C. Jackson a lot of money in some ways. Kind of the Byron Jones contract. I, I don't know if a couple of years after that, you're too upset about that, right? Like, yes, it was big relative to what, Carlton Davis, other corners um, Mm -hmm. seem to be getting, but the cornerback market in general is not exactly spiking. Like neither of those deals was super, holy crap, Mm money-wise. So it seems like they're probably pretty satisfied with where that went. Um, And they should be better, right? Like there are things that they needed to fix, run defense significantly among them, uh, they needed a cornerback. They did it. They have more flexibility in the draft now. I, I just, is it maybe a slight overpay in a couple cases? Sure. But that's the difference between like an A and an A minus maybe. But it's just, yeah. The Chargers type is intensifying, I think, for a good reason. Uh, Ruiz, I know we haven't had the draft yet, but give me the Chargers seed this year. Uh, I... I would say it's so hard to pick them over the Chiefs, but I I would pick them as the favorites over the Chiefs right now. Hmm. And that's the first time I've done that in three years, or picked anyone over the Chiefs in three years. And no, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I think they're level. I think the Chiefs are 1A and they're 1B in the AFC. And the only reason I would put the Bills above them in like the seeding hierarchy is because they play in a different division. They're not playing Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. I think the Bills, I think the Chiefs might be a better team than the Bills, but I think the Bills are going to end up with a better record, if that makes sense. Do you find it, I, I still find it strange that the Broncos odds are tied for fifth best in the NFL for Super Bowl and the Chargers are behind them. I, I would, yeah, I, I might, this might be an old take explosion in a couple months, but like, I would I would empty my bank account that the Chargers are going to have a better season than the Broncos. Yeah, I don't get that at all either. I, like Nathaniel Hackett, I he's a rookie head coach. We have no reason to be optimistic about him. I think Russell Wilson, you know, getting hooked up with a new offensive coordinator, that's going to take some time to work out. It always does with Russell Wilson. They just lost Vic Fangio, so I think the defense might take a step back. I know they just got Randy Gregory, but... I don't know, man. It's hard to to really be confident that the Broncos are going to be the team we think they, they're going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if they're 8-9, 9-8 nine, nine and eight again around that same area. I think they're a wild card team. It's fine. Yeah. I, Super Bowl futures to me are very strange. I don't bet on football. That's well established. But, like, some of these, 
are making me want to put down 10 bucks. Like the Ravens being plus 2,200, Bengals, Titans. Like the Saints have, maybe this is like a weird Deshaun Watson hedge, but the Saints have, are, are more favorites to win the Super Bowl than the Ravens, Bengals, and Titans. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I mean, it has Cowboys. to be an, the AFC, damn Cowboys. an AFC depth thing, maybe. Like, I think yeah, the one sure. thing we didn't mention about the Bucs is it's not just that the Bucs have brought everyone back. It seems like everyone in the NFC is going to take a, a minor step back. Like, even the Rams are losing people. The Packers are losing people. The only team that might take a step forward is the 49ers. And we don't even know who their quarterback is going to be in week one. Yeah, Niners plus 1,400. Um, all right, Nora, what else? Can we well, can we talk about Randy Gregory and can we talk about the Cowboys? Yeah. Ones? That was one of mine. Let's talk about so, it. So, obviously, Randy Gregory goes to Denver. Five years, $70 million. Um, clearly a high risk, high reward thing for the Broncos. He's a really, really, really good player. You're also taking someone who has done clearly a lot of work to be more comfortable socially and in his work environment, um, to not feel the need to turn to the substance abuse stuff that, that has taken him off the field so many times you're taking that person out of their comfort zone and maybe Mm -hmm. that's complicated. Uh, a little bit strange circumstances. Um, the Cowboys were willing to pay the same amount, according to his agent, but insisted on salary forfeiture language that spiked the deal because it would have been activated in case of a fine as opposed to a suspension. It is often in their contracts. It's not usually enforced, sort of complicated. Um Again, I think this is sort of a high-risk, high-reward thing for Denver, which, fine. He's a really, really talented, good player. I remember talking to people at the Combine and saying, like, how does it make sense for him to go anywhere besides Dallas? He's he's comfortable there. He's got his setup. Like, that's all good. And people just saying, eh, this is football. He's really talented. Somebody's going to, a couple teams are going to decide they want to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's sort of more significant for Dallas because mm-hmm. I'm just looking at the Cowboys offseason thus far and you've got to imagine that they wanted to find a couple core players that they were maybe willing to move on from and, and try to get um, some picks back given how much of a crunch they're in salary cap wise they did that to a degree for a fifth with Amari Cooper but that was a little bit more of a salary dump um, it doesn't seem like that's really working out Uh and then they have one of the bigger free agents that they allegedly wanted to re-sign go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. they're in this situation where it's a team that's trying to stay competitive. I mean, the, the NFC is pretty wide open, but they don't have money. They're not recouping a lot of picks. And now they have another hole opening at edge rusher, which maybe they will try to to fill with Von Miller. Um, but it just doesn't seem like the needle is moving in, in any sort of positive way in Dallas. Ruiz, are the Cowboys yeah, on a fraud watch? No, I'm putting Jerry Jones on washed watch, actually. No! Oh! Yeah, he's done. He's cooked. He tried to play his... Le- I think he's become a little too self-aware Cowboys of his reputation. He, he, okay. <laughs> Going up. He thinks he thinks he's some like master businessman. And I don't think that that is really working it for him anymore. And I think the beginning of the end was the Zeke contract negotiation. Oh, God. This is the beginning Jer- of the end of a lot of things. 
in Jerry's prime, he made Emmett Smith, the leading rusher in NFL history, he made him hold out for two games because he played hardball because he didn't want to give him a contract to the best running back in the NFL. In his Zeke prime. went to Cabo and Jerry Jones like, here, yeah. destroy Zeke my was, franchise, please. Zeke came in overweight and he still paid him. And he's like, I'm going to give you all the money you want. And then the Dak Prescott gambit did not pay it, did not work out no. for him. He ended up paying extra money for that. Jerry's washed. And, uh, he's washed. And, and also, the Dak Prescott gambit, what did that look like to him? The yeah. Dak was going to have an awful year <laughs> and he was going to get to pay him less? Like, right. I never understood what exactly he was after in the waiting to sign Dak thing. We know how quarterback contracts work. Dak wasn't going to be like, actually, I've thought about it, and I'm ready to take a lot less because I'm bored. And they loaded up on weapons for him. They're like, we're going to give you everything you need to have a career year in the hope that you don't or take a pay cut. I don't know. (laughs) Jerry Jones, washed, washed. He's not even on washed watch. He's washed. He's just washed. Wow. Put yeah. on washed watch and then take an off washed watch and move to washed. Wow, I can't say that. Yeah. Trying oh to say that gosh. five times in a row would be very difficult. Um, Stephen, what else do we need to talk about? Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? Yeah. I would need to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. That's so, the last remaining thing on my list. I think you but alluded yeah. to this. You alluded Nora, did we have the same though. list? Did you did, have, did so you, I had... Did you copy off my list? I didn't have uh, Randy Gregory. Did you copy off my list? I had the Bucks and mm. Jack Mason. I had the Randy Gregory situation. I had uh, the Chargers. And I had Baker Mayfield going on Instagram. And then I have the Jaguars spending... Steven, Steven didn't a have a list. Large list, amount list of money. Are on, <laughs> lists are on Fraud Watch. I didn't have a list. But I am writing about the Jaguars right now. So I should have probably brought um, some up. Okay. So, I I have a hot take. I understand what the Jaguars are doing. I do too. Okay. So, we're all going to laugh. The Christian Kirk contract was bad. I get it. And 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 part of this is you talk about telegraphed moves. I think Christian Kirk is an example of like three weeks ago, or maybe even longer. They were like, "We're going to zero it. We're going to build our offseason around Christian Kirk." And I understand what kind of position he plays. And I understand what he brings to an offense, but I think that there are trade candidates out there that you could get for less money for like a mid-round pick than than Christian Kirk. And I would have called... Yeah, I also 31. understand what position he plays, which is slot receiver, which is what uh-huh. led him to have his career year last season, which is mm-hmm. not really a premium value position, even though receiver is... I think that means you're completely done with your existing hopeful slot receiver, LaVisca Chanel. Well, like, yes. Also, but but also DOA. part of it is like like one of the reasons like the Browns were able to get huge value last year in defensive backs is like you take a slot corner who's undervalued and you pay him less than an outside corner would be. But part of the problem is if you're paying a slot receiver like Christian Kirk and you're paying him like an elite receiver, then you've lost the value of of. Well, right. That's exactly guy. the point. Right. This is terrible. I mean, this well, is all Trent well, Balk, the Trent Balky effect, right? They're overpaying because right. guys aren't going to come want to play, even though they have right. Trevor Lawrence. Right. Okay. Yes. So, so the the Kirk thing is is an overpay. It is um, something that again, it, like you get your heart set on it, and it's just there's not a lot of flexibility. That that's a Balky mistake. But I also understand signing Brandon Scherf. Um, going out and getting NFL players, they just needed to do something. 
And it was interesting to me because I talked to John Dorsey a few years ago when he first started with the Browns, and they had just traded for Tyrod Taylor. And I was like, I don't know, man. This is a little weird, right? A little weird to trade for Tyrod Taylor. And he was like, you had to do it. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay a bunch of other guys like 25% more because it looks like we're not an NFL franchise, right? And I thought about that. And I know that's maybe a little bit of a galaxy brain thing. But like, at some, you're seeing what happens here when word around the league is that you're not serious. And it's that you have to give people a lot more money. Um, and even if you have Trevor Lawrence, I don't think Trevor Lawrence proved enough last year that guys are like, oh, Trevor Lawrence is going to solve this thing. Like Trevor Lawrence, like Doug Peterson has credibility. Trevor Lawrence has been good. But I don't think anybody's going to Jacksonville right now being like, we're going to build on this. And by the way, they did this five, six years ago. Um, you know, that was the that was the the backbone of the the 2018 team was just spending a ton of money on Calais Campbell and Malik Willis and those guys and 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 overpaying. And um, you know, I I I I did a couple of stories on that and and, and ended up working, but then the Bills came due on that. Um, but this is this is what the Jaguars had to do which is kind of spend foolishly, get NFL guys in there, and hope that some of these guys end up being okay. I'm completely unfussed by the Scherf deal because Brandon Scherf has an injury history, but when he is on the field is a very, very good, one of the top players at his position. They desperately needed to improve that offensive line. I think that counts. The Kirk thing bothers me because if you're so it, it's really a two year, $39 million contract. Like right. that's, that's still way you, too much. By the still way. pretty rich. That's $19.5 million in annual value. Uh, that is barely under what um, the Browns will be playing, paying Amari Cooper. And it is barely under what the Packers would spend on Devontae Adams in that two year time frame If they used the tag. I just, so Kirk, got to play 76% of his snaps in the slot last season after Larry Fitzgerald retired and, and he was in a more natural role where he was more successful. He went from averaging 1.4 yards per route run in 2020 to 1.9. That range is like Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddell, good effective players, but not because in part because of the position, not like a Devontae Adams situation. So not only is it an overpay, I'm just, and by the way, that's his best year of production by a significant margin. So Mm -hmm. you are hoping that someone who is coming off by far his best year is not only going to equal that, but if you compare it to what the other players at that position who are getting that type of money actually improve on it. So uh, fine, you want to get good NFL players in the building. I probably still... You'd rather have Christian Kirk than not. Uh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you could probably have a better player than Christian Kirk yeah. is the problem. Yeah. It's not, it's, there's opportunity cost as oppo- opposed to just an overspend issue. Stephen? I'm not so big on the Sheriff deal for the same reasons we laid out on the Kirk deal. He's, he play, he's still a guard and you're playing premium money for a, a non-premium position and with him, he's a guy that has had trouble staying on the field. So there's a good chance that he's not even going to be playing a lot. And it just goes back to the theme of them overpaying to get NFL players in the building. And it all comes back to Urban Meyer. I really think that's the reason why they're overpaying this year. 
is because Trevor looked terrible. Even though if you watch the film, he looks like like a top 15 quarterback already. The results just don't show it. But NFL players aren't grinding film. They're not watching Trevor Lawrence and going, oh, yeah, he really went through his progressions there but got sacked. Like, they just see his stats and they're like, oh, he's not a good player. And this is still an unserious team. Until they're able to get Trevor playing at a level where he is drawing in free agents, this is what they're going to have to do. So I don't hate them for the the strategy. I just don't like the players they chose to spend on. That's well, Stephen right, Reese's it... way of saying NFL players don't know the game as well as he does. They don't know ball. <laughs> Amari Cooper could have went to the Jaguars and he picked Baker Mayfield over Trevor Lawrence. Sorry, he doesn't know ball. But it sounds like he didn't pick Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, maybe Baker maybe Mayfield he knew, has a heart and head announcement. Maybe he knew something that uh, we didn't. Also, in addition to the the sort of headline moves that we're talking about, um, we talked about the uh, Bucks sort of rating the the Falcons on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jaguars seem to have a real fascination with the Falcons defense, which <laughs> how could you not? I don't know about you guys. <laughs> not hey. necessarily like the most impressive place to, to find new players. The Urban Meyer hire. I, I, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go back. <laughs> Urban Meyer hire. When you think about just the collateral damage and the long-term, like Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence's Jaguars career could realistically have been ruined by that hire because now they're, as we're saying, they're overpaying for, above average players on an aggregate and and we have no idea if that's going to work and then that that only kind of leads to more overpaying for above average players like that that's just kind of the, the tailspin you get in right like it's not like they're going to go from they're going to win eight games next year and then everyone's going to be like we're going to take a lot less money to go play for the Jags it's just not really how how team building works um I can't think of a worse hire over the past like 15 years right Maybe no, Bobby Petrino, maybe Bobby Petrino, but even then, I, at least he had the decency to step step away on his own. Yeah, and then Mike Smith coached him up right after that. Right. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, bounced back. Yeah, it's it might be I mean, the Freddie worst Kitchens, hire of all time. Freddie Kitchens was real bad, but they were able to kind of. Um, oh, Freddie Kitchens was nowhere near as bad as Urban Meyer. Freddie Kitchens was bad. I'm not saying Freddie Kitchens was good. I, I, but I feel confident that Urban Meyer was significantly worse than Freddie Kitchens. As a coach, if we just take the bad guy elements out of it, yes. like just as a pure coach, I think they were, they were, they were both extremely bad. They were both as bad as you could get, but I think Urban Meyer was franchise wrecking bad, where Freddie mm-hmm. Kitchens was just kind of dumb bad. Yeah, Urban Meyer also did a lot. Was a little bit more. Um, I think the personnel stuff mattered more. Yeah. That's what we're seeing now. Yeah. I, mean, I think like, that that makes it a clear yeah. win for, for Herb. Winning off the field, as they say. Kevin Clark is defending Urban Meyer. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to throw people in the Urban Meyer bucket. Mm-hmm. I think there have been some real bad hires. I'm trying to think. I mean, like. I think, I think Herb gets a bucket to himself. I mean, yeah, it's it's Herb on his own. Then you got Freddie Kitchens, Mario Cristobal at Miami. Mario Cristobal at Miami. A lot of bad coaching. Any matters. any any Maryland coach in any sport, in any varsity sport since Gary Williams retired. That's Maryland fair. Pack Watch. Um, all right. Anything else, guys? 
I got nothing. Now, now that I've accidentally defended Urban Meyer. Wow. Did we go through? We went through your whole list, Kevin, because it was also mm-hmm. my list. Got it. That's right. Cool. Oh, well, I wanted to show. I did to this podcast I, unaware of the exercise. I did. I did. I, it was in a text, Stephen. Are we oh. not doing texting? Were you just grinding Mike Loxley film? No, somehow I accidentally turned off my iMessaging yesterday and I wasn't getting okay. any texts and I was okay. very concerned. Let's, I fixed let's, that. Let's, let's, let's this do Ruiz's... actually Ru- pretty Ru- an, a, an electric performance from you. Considering Ruiz's week in texts. Texts us on Sunday night that he'd be ready in an hour during a podcast that we were doing on Sunday night and then turns his iMessage off on Tuesday night and so doesn't get the exercise that we were doing but still acquits himself quite well. What an electric week for you. I'm the Urban Meyer of phonies. No, you're like the, you're like the guy who shows up to training camp and like plays himself into shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I am. That. You still brought the heat. Hey, um, I want to shout out the Ravens because I think they're doing I think they're just just quietly handling their business. Um, so they signed Marcus Williams, uh, one of the best safeties on the market, which I think is was was important. And uh Morgan Moses, three years, 15, pretty good deal. You saw some people thinking that that five five a year for, for Morgan Moses, nice little depth. Um, so um or it is a nice little addition um considering the, the depth of tackle. Um so I'm 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 feeling good about the Baltimore Ravens twenty twenty two. Can I give a similar shout out to the Buffalo Bills? Sure. Just, I just, Handle, I like handling it. their biz. They, they, handling they biz. released AJ Klein and Feliciano. And then they low cost moves, though. Isaiah they, McKenzie, I think Mitch Tim Morse. Tim Settle. Really like Tim Settle coming in at, at, at defensive tackle there. I think you're a settlehead. I'm a settlehead. I'm going on the record as a settlehead. Um, yeah, JD McKissick. Not too, nothing too splashy. Two years, just seven. getting some value, taking care of biz. I like it. Can we, we start? Do, the, do, you want to, do you want to shout out an AFC contender for making incredibly boring moves, sensible like moves? No, I want to go the opposite. I want to start the uh, Chris Ballard fraud talk. It's been five oh. years now. Get a quarterback. Yeah. Get a quarterback. I mean, it, you sure you want to do this at minute forty-five of the podcast? This is a number. Yeah, one. If you made a list, you could have you could have made this number right. one. It's I should have made Chris a Ballard on Fraud Watch. I should have made a list. But all I'm going to say do you is have one, a list of people you want to put on Fraud Watch, Washed Watch, or my I'm I'm a, I'm a big Pack Watch guy. Now nah, I'm a, I'm a feel guy. It just comes to me when I hear their name. Yeah, I don't, I don't plan it out. Yeah. You want to like you want to give us a Chris Bauer take? Yeah, I, I think it's time that we stop celebrating just cultivating cap space. Like, do something with the cap yeah. space. Cap space is only good if you do something with it. And he hasn't done anything with it in the, the five years since Andrew Luck retired, or however long it's been. And make a move yeah. already. Win a playoff game. Uh, I would say, and I, I'm a, I'm a in general fan of both these guys, I would say that Chris Ballard is the front office version of Brandon Staley, which is that he is overrated because he... Overrated by the media because he explains the process well, um, yes. which is something. And it shows you all we can go off of. This is something we've said going back to when, you know, Mays and I were talking about this in 2017, right? We're not all smart enough to sit here. Only Ruiz can grind tape and, uh, and figure out who's actually a top 15 quarterback. But everybody else, one. everybody else has to just go by the process, the thought process. Everybody, um, 
explaining why they made a move and saying, okay, that made sense, right? Because you cannot, with the exception of Sebastian Joseph Day, we have no idea how a lot of these free agents are going to look with their new team. And so when it's the offseason, when it's the draft, when it's free agency, when it's trade season, we're taking people's words for it. And so they're always by nature going to overrate someone with a good explanation of what's happening. And Chris Ballard, I think, has made some great moves. I think, you know, he drafted two all pros in his, I believe, his first draft. Um, He has stacked talent at some positions, but he has not gotten into the elite of the sport. I would say, you know, a similar phenomenon happened with the Browns, where I overrated the Browns process because they were talking about it and... They, I mean, they ended up working because they ended up getting a, a lot of guys, you know, with, with those sort of quote-unquote process picks. But it took a while. And meanwhile, the damn Steelers, who never did a teardown, who never decided to just, you know, sell out for the fourth pick in the draft, uh, they, they were better every single year. Um, because, I don't know, they had things that we can't explain, like culture and just better players you know they found better players and they didn't have to tear down the franchise for it um so we're always going to overrate the guys with explanation like mitch trubisky like mitch trubisky now now comes the process the Steelers are finally processing but so are the uh so are the browns because mitch uh because uh baker just sent a, a head and heart message so that, that's my take on ballard is that the media is going to default to um guys who who uh bring you in to the process no, that's a good point. I agree with you. He is he is the Brandon Staley of GMs. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for agreeing with my point. Um, Nora, anything else, bud? It's fun, guys. This we we fun. went through the list. We'll be back. We went through our lists. That's true. Yeah, you, you get. Some people yeah, don't need crazy. lists. I'm like, I'm like Jay-Z. Have you seen the Jay-Z documentary? He just goes in and he just records the songs off the top of the head. That's me. Really? Yeah, I'm Jay-Z. You guys are... I haven't uh, seen the Jay-Z documentary. It's good oh, doc. You should watch it. Good doc. Rick Rubin makes an, a great appearance in it. It's good doc. We'll probably be back for an emergency podcast in the next couple of days. If not, we'll be back next week. But you know how this goes. We'll be back like three hours from now. The best was when we had... We did the Aaron Rodgers podcast, and then five minutes later, we had to hop back on the same Zoom to do the Russell Wilson podcast. Something like that's going to happen this time. Um, we'll see you next week. Thank you to Stefan Anderson for production help with additional production provision by Arjuna Ramkapal. This has been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.